Scaling Up Nation, Trace Blackmore here, your host for Scaling Up H2O, the podcast where we are for every water treater. How is everybody doing out there? I am so excited to bring this show to you. Who am I kidding? I am excited to bring every show to you. Folks, I love bringing Scaling Up H2O to you. I especially love it when you let me know what you want me to talk about. When you do that, it gives me show content and I can dive right into that. And that is what we are going to be doing today. But before we start, I received so many comments about how people really appreciated me bringing to them what is coming up in the world of water. So we are in the month of November. Oh my gosh, can you believe yesterday was Halloween? Where is 2019 going? This year is flying by. I hope you are enjoying your 2019. And folks, we are in the last quarter. So I hope whatever goals that you have set for yourself, you are on track with. And if you're not, don't give up on them. Look at them. See what you can accomplish. And folks, if it was a good goal last year for you to set for this year, it's going to be a good goal for next year. If you haven't done everything that you need to do up to this point, then figure out what is in your way and work on that. Work on trying to get the things that are getting in your way of accomplishing what you said were important, and you can do that for the end of this fourth year quarter. And next year, when you start planning, you're already ahead of the game because you have experience and you use that experience to help correct what was keeping you from starting and now you can get started. For those of you that are on track, awesome. You just got two more months. Keep going. And I love it that we're out there and we're setting goals. And when we set goals, we're measuring things. And when we measure things, things naturally get better. Peter Drucker said that. And just think about it. When you are looking at things, things get better. When you're measuring things, they just have a tendency to get better because now we're focusing on them. When you go to a baseball game, can you imagine not keeping score? What would you do with that baseball game? How would you know who was winning? Well, folks, look at your life that way. Look at your goals that way. How do you know that you are winning? Well, a few things that are coming up in November, and people said that they really enjoyed the fact that I let them know what was going on in the water world. Aquatech is going on in Amsterdam November 5th through 8th, and the Water and Wastewater Equipment Manufacturers Association is meeting November 6th through 8th in Arizona. Also, the International Water Conference is in Orlando, Florida, November 10th through 14th, and folks, yours truly is going to be there. The fine people at the IWC reached out to me, and they wanted to make sure that Scaling Up H2O was there so you can see what happens at an international water conference. So I'm going to be bringing that to you shortly. Also, get your calendars out. The Association of Water Technologies 
technical training is going to be February 26th through 29th in Seattle, Washington, and then again March 18th through 21st in Cleveland, Ohio. Folks, you know I am one of the trainers at these technical seminars. I cannot imagine a better place for someone to go to learn about industrial water treatment. When I go to one of these technical trainings, and I have been going to just about every one of them for the past 10 plus years, I always come away with something. Now, in the upcoming episodes, as we always do, I'm going to bring you some more insider information about the technical trainings, and I hope to see you there. I think it's just about every single episode I ask for your help to give me some show content so I don't run out of things to talk about. And several of you have gone online to ScalingUpH2O.com and left me a voicemail with your question. Well, that's what we're going to listen to right now. Hi, Trace. It's Adam Seitz from Capital Technologies. Long-time listener, first-time caller. First off, congratulations on getting to the 100th episode. It's pretty impressive. And I think everybody out here appreciates all that you do. Second off, I wanted to call with a possible show or topic idea. Boiler season is quickly approaching, and every year it seems like we have a couple of boilers that um, start rocking and it's shut down on low water. Inevitably, either the customer or the boiler rep immediately unplugs the chemical pumps and blames the water treater. Understanding that sometimes it is a chemical problem, sometimes there are other factors at play, I was wondering if you could maybe speak to both chemical and non-chemical contributors to this scenario. And while you're at it, um, maybe some tips on ways to resolve it. Adam, thank you for that question. There is just so much that's running through my mind when I think of how I can answer that question. And the first thing I want to say is I'm not there. So... There is always a reason for everything, and the only thing that I can go off of are experiences that I have had in the past. So that's what I'm going to do. I hope those help you. So with that, I just want to get into what happens when water is not at the proper level in the boiler, i.e. the boiler runs out of water. Now, the boiler is a hot, pressurized vessel that has all of this heat in it that has nothing in it now or not enough water for that heat to dissipate. So it keeps getting hotter and hotter and hotter. And folks, steel will eventually melt, and that's the metal that's holding that pressure in, and then something very bad happens the boiler could explode. My dad used to call boiler explosions boiler room disturbances. And he uh, read that at a report. He he did a lot of stuff on aircraft carriers and uh, he did stuff with the Navy. And I don't remember the exact story. And I don't know if he ever told me the exact story, but instead of saying a boiler exploded, they said that there was a minor boiler room disturbance. Well, folks, talk about an understatement. So my dad would jokingly talk about that's what that was. I guess you had to be there, but I wanted to share that story with you. 
what Adam is talking about is the operator comes in and he hears that low water alarm going off and he has to then go and manually reset that and the boiler comes back on. And then he goes away and he comes back and he hears that alarm again. Those low water cutoff switches are there so the boiler will not continue to run, i.e. produce heat, so we have one of those boiler room disturbances that we were just talking about. Now most operators, and I say most because you might be an operator out there and you understand water treatment to its fullest, but most operators don't understand water treatment. And because they don't understand water treatment, when in doubt, they blame the water treater. So what's happening here, and I don't know if it's an issue with the products that we're using or another issue, so from now on, I'm just gonna speak generically. Many operators do not understand water treatment. And when in doubt, they blame the water treater. But who can blame them? They don't understand because a lot of us don't explain what it is that we do. Now, Adam, I'm not talking about you. I'm talking in general. But a lot of operators just assume that this mystical voodoo that's happening over with a pump against the wall is causing their issue because they don't understand it to begin with. So why not go ahead and unplug it? Now, those of us that are in the know realize that they're actually creating further damage by not allowing those products to go into the system. So what we need to do is we need to understand more about what's going on so we can share that with the customer. So let's talk about water boiling. When water boils, it forms bubbles. And it does this because the vapor pressure equals the atmospheric pressure. This is why water boils at a lower temperature at higher elevations. In low solids water, the bubbles can quickly break on the surface. However, inversely, in high solids water, those bubbles can be allowed to stack on each other. And eventually, if we were talking about a pot, it would boil over. And if you've ever made spaghetti, you've probably seen this. As we cook the spaghetti, the starch is released. That starch is higher solids. It starts to entrap those bubbles. Those bubbles start to stack on each other and eventually that pot starts boiling over. We normally catch that because we hear the hissing sound and we run over to the stove and we turn it down. Well, if we didn't turn the stove down and just allowed it to continue to boil, eventually we would get low water in that pot just like we were talking about with the boiler. And we would then burn the spaghetti and we would also burn the pot. We need water in there to disperse the heat. The same thing is happening in boilers. As solids concentrate, Bubbles will stack on each other and they continue to stack and continue to stack and eventually they can get sucked out with the steam. And I feel like I'm going all over the place now, but now I want to talk about wet steam. Whenever water goes out with the steam, we do not have the BTU, the British Thermal Unit content that we need. Well, what the heck am I talking about? Folks, that is the workhorse. 
The BTUs is what is going out there to do the work in whatever that steam needs to power. Now water on its best day has 180 BTUs in it. Steam on its worst day has 1150 BTUs in it. Folks, that is a huge difference. And if we're getting water sucked out with our steam, we just simply don't have the BTUs to do the work. And as that water gets sucked out, that can create a low water situation. Also, as all these bubbles are forming, the probes can actually think there's more water than there really is. And as a result, makeup water is not sent into the boiler gradually, and the makeup valve starts calling for more water, and then that comes in, but it's too late, the low water alarm comes on. Not to mention, when a bunch of water rushes in that's a lot lower than the boiling temperature, then we're also reducing the amount of steam that we can produce in the boiler. So there's a whole bunch of problems that are going on. Now many operators think that high solids equal too many boiler products. If you're in the south, somebody will say there's too many of them darn chemicals in the boiler and it's making the boiler go offline. Well, maybe, maybe not. I've said on several shows, only pure water evaporates, leaving its solids behind so maybe it's a blowdown problem. Maybe it's not a boiler chemical problem at all. Too many operators don't know how to properly blow the boiler down. Many think that all they need to do is bottom blow the boiler. Well, bottom blow is for sludge control. A lot of our programs produce a sludge and we don't want those to accumulate in the bottom of the boiler. So what we do is we open up that bottom blowdown to let the sludge out of the boiler. But that is not conductivity control. Bottom blow is for sludge control, not conductivity control or dissolved solids control. For that, we use surface blow. That's also called skimmer blowdown. We use that to gradually let the polluted water, the high solids water out so we can replenish it with lower solids makeup water. Again, another thing we say on the show is the solution to pollution is dilution, and that's what we are doing there. So maybe we're not blowing the boiler down correctly. I've worked with a lot of operators and I've seen, I would say, hundreds of ways that people blow a boiler down. Now, if you were to look up the best way to blow a boiler down, and we're talking about bottom blow here, we want to make sure that the feed water pump is off. That means that the boiler is satisfied because we don't want the boiler to go off on low water while we're blowing the boiler down. Now we have two types of valves on that bottom blowdown. We have a quick or sometimes called a knife valve and then we have a slow or a gate valve. So two different types with two different names. So either a quick or a knife or a gate or a slow. So this is what you do. You open the quick and then you open the slow. And you time how long the blowdown is 
and then you close the slow. And if you need to repeat that, you would reopen the slow for however much time you need and then close it. Once you're done, you're then going to close the quick or the knife valve. Now, in between each time you open up the slow valve, you want to make sure that the feed water pump has turned off because when you blow the boiler down, you're going to hear that it's calling for water. So let that feed water pump make up what is in the boiler and be satisfied before you start your next series of blowdowns. And you might have three different series where you're going to open up the slow, let it blow down for so many seconds, and then close it, wait for the feed water pump to come on, and then turn off. And then you're going to do that again maybe two, three, or four times. Now you should log this and so should the operators. When you start keeping things in a log, you can track it. And we talked about how when you measure things, they naturally get better. Well, folks, make sure you're on the same page. Come up with a procedure on how everybody needs to blow the boiler down. And now when you need to make a suggestion, you can use not only that procedure, but the log to make adjustments in what your recommendations are going to be. Now, something that I have seen is how long do you blow the boiler down for? Oh, well, five second bursts. Maybe we do three five second bursts. All right, well, is my five seconds longer or shorter than the operator's five seconds? I don't know. How do we define that in our procedures? Is it just simply counting one, two, three, four, five? Or are we going to count Mississippi? One Mississippi, two Mississippi, three Mississippi. You didn't know Mississippi was a word. Whatever you do, it doesn't matter. Make sure you are consistent. And then when you're having issues, when things are too high or things are too low, when you're not getting the results that you need, you can go back and you can change those procedures and now everybody is falling in line. Nine times out of 10, when I have an issue that's blamed on too much of them there chemicals, you got too much of those chemicals in the boiler, it is not an issue with too much chemicals in the boiler, it's improper blowdown. So Adam, I don't know if that's the issue that you are having, but I have seen that so many times. Another issue that I've seen that if a boiler is not big enough for the system that it's on, and it can't supply all the steam that it needs. Now, let me paint this picture for you. I remember a plant that I was working on and everything was working perfectly for years. And then all of a sudden, it started going off on low water. Well, of course, it was a problem with them there boiler chemicals. Well, no, it wasn't what was happening was they actually did two things. They added some equipment and they were running the equipment that they had a lot harder than they had done in the past. Their business was doing great. They had to make more of their widgets 
because people were buying the widgets, but they didn't consider the boiler that was powering all those widget machines. So now all these machines are calling for steam at the same time, and the boiler just simply cannot keep up. Well, what happens back in the boiler itself is a vacuum is created, and that vacuum will actually start to suck up water into the steam line and eventually it would go off on low water alarm. Now a couple of things there that we already know, if it's sucking water up instead of steam, we don't have the BTU content to operate the equipment and the equipment is the reason that that problem is happening. They have too much going on there for that boiler. Now that wasn't a chemical problem at all, that was an operation problem. So here's what I'm talking about. When there's a quick and sudden demand of steam, a vacuum is formed that will suck water out of the boiler. Now sometimes you'll see this in the sight glass and you might call this surging. And that surging will eventually trip the low water cutoff. And I can't tell you how many times I have seen something like that happen where again, they wanna blame boiler products. Well, it's not the boiler products, it's how the system is being used. And the most common place that I have seen this type of use is in breweries. I have a lot of breweries that we take care of, and I gotta tell you, who doesn't love breweries? Breweries are just fun. Beer's awesome, and so are the people that make those brews. It's just a fun place to be. Well, I have noticed that the practice that they use is they only turn the boiler on when they need it. And that means that they've done all of these things in the background, and all of these pieces of equipment are sitting there waiting on the boiler and then they start the boiler up. Well, folks, that creates that vacuum situation that we were talking about. Now, because I understand those systems, what I've been able to do is work with those brewers and we came up with procedures on how they're gonna start the boiler first get the boiler to start producing steam, and then they gradually bring on that equipment. Again, it wasn't a chemical problem, it was an operational problem. And because I understood how the things worked that they were trying to get working from the steam, we were able to come up with that procedure and eliminate that issue. So I said before, a lot of people think, when in doubt, blame the water treater. And I love to joke about that, but think about what's happening. There's so many water treaters out there that don't understand the equipment that they are treating as well as they need to. Now, Jay Farmery taught me that we're not water treaters. We might call ourselves water treaters, but we're equipment treaters. And if we don't understand the equipment that we are treating, we could not do our job to the best of our ability. And of course, Jay was just recently a guest on episode 93 and 94. I hope that Adam's question has inspired you to learn the equipment that you're treating a little bit better. 
and don't go to war with the people that are operating the equipment that we are hired to treat. Try to understand the equipment better. And folks, if you already understand the equipment, share that knowledge with the people that are going to be there operating the equipment each and every day. When you are working together, I promise it is going to be so much easier to run your program. In fact, I don't think you can run a program without the cooperation of the people that are there each and every day. You know, I started thinking, what are some of the other reasons that low water cutoff could happen? And of course, the ones that come to mind are, you know, the feed water pump could fail. Uh, One of the control valves could fail as well. I've seen safety valves or pop-off valves start leaking. I've also seen corroded feed water line, and now the boiler cannot make the water up fast enough because there's no room for the water. It's all corroded. So my advice is if you are having a problem like this, again, try to learn as much as you can, and you're probably not going to be able to do it in a half an hour service visit. So however long it takes you to get the information that you need to solve the problem, and maybe that does include the logs that we're talking about. Maybe that includes a a visit in between your regular visits so you can see a particular shift that you normally don't see when you service. When you understand how the equipment is being used, you will be better equipped to solve the problem. Well, folks, maybe you have a question that you want to ask on scaling up H2O. So if you want to do that, and I encourage you to do that very thing, go to scalinguph2o.com and you will see a box pop up on the right hand side. You can click that and whatever device you are on, you can record a voicemail. Well, folks, you know, one of my favorite tools is Audible. Audible allows me to read when I don't have time to read. And I try to read a lot so I can have plenty of information to bring to you on scaling up H2O. Now, if you want to try Audible, I can give you a free month and a free book by simply going to scalinguph2o.com forward slash Audible and the fine folks at Audible will pay me a slight commission that won't cost you a dime just for you signing up for that service. Well, folks, I hope you enjoyed today's episode of Scaling Up H2O, and I can't wait to come to you next week where we're gonna have another great show. Have a great week, folks.